coming up on the Potter's Tech. Every tongue that rises against you, God will condemn. If you were his in his hand, you're his in the ground, you're his when you come up, you're his when it's hot, you're his when it's cold, you're his in the rain, you're his in the middle of all kind of terror, surrounded by witches and hexes. This is the Potter's Touch. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad to have this opportunity to bring this message to you. It is being brought to you by popular demand. I hear people all over Twitter, Instagram, Facebook asking me to share this message again, and I will do it. The message is called A War Between Two Worlds sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. You have to have the ability to keep the cycle going, a war between two worlds. Check this out. Let's go to Matthew 13, verse number 36. When you have it, say amen. amen. This, is, this is one of the rare opportunities we get to hear Jesus exegete a text. He has told them a parable, relayed a story, and left the disciples with some questions as to what he meant about the parable. And here Jesus clarifies his, the scenario. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parables of the tares of the field. In other words, explain what you were talking about out there. He answered and said unto him, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. Say that with me. He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. Now, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is in the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be, so shall it be in the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Can you say amen? amen? I want to talk briefly, remain standing, but I want to talk briefly about a war between two worlds. A war between two worlds. Well, I know all of my ministers and all of my elders are looking at the text and looking at the subject and say, well, Bishop must not have taken his medication. Because the text seemingly has nothing to do with the subject. We're looking at a text that is basically an agricultural text that looks at an agricultural metaphor to explain the principles of the kingdom. There's nothing in the text about a war. Normally, if you're going to preach about a war, you talk about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. You talk about that. You talk about spiritual warfare. David said, he teaches my fingers to war. That would have been a great scripture to use. You're going to be talking about a war. You, you, you could have talked about the destruction of the Amalekites, the annihilation of the Philistines, if you're going to talk about a war. Why in the world would you take a text that's talking about a garden and then start talking about a war? Glad you asked me. 
hopefully before I finish, you'll understand why. First of all, Jesus introduces a thought that I want you, I want you to put your study cap on for a minute. Jesus introduces a thought that I want you to really focus on. He said, the kingdom of heaven is lacking. The kingdom of heaven is like it. It's metaphorical. The key, in, in other words, he is using something you can understand to explain something that you couldn't understand. So since he's dealing with a society that focuses largely on agriculturalism for economic empowerment, that is, if you didn't raise a garden, if you didn't plow, if you didn't rake, if you didn't harvest, you didn't have any income because it wasn't so much about money in the days of Christ as much as it was about raising a crop through which you could barter the crop in exchange for other things that you need. Okay, so he's using something that everybody, every commoner understood to explain something that was so spiritual and so abstract that it was beyond human comprehension. Are you with me? They understood the value of a crop. If we, it wasn't just that if we didn't grow a good crop, we couldn't eat. It was that if we didn't grow a good crop, we couldn't trade. So when you look at the metaphor about the crop, you are actually looking at the very e economic empowerment of a society of people that is based on the premise of sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. If you didn't maintain a cycle, a consistency of sowing and reaping, not only did you not have a harvest, it would affect everything in your house because you did not have the ability to keep the cycle going. Now, I, I want to digress and dig into that for just a moment because I want you to understand this whole notion of sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping and seed time and harvest and seed time. A lot is said about that. A whole lot is said about that. And people don't really shout about seed time, but they shout about harvest. They love to talk about this is your harvest. You're coming into your season. You're getting ready to reap. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But I, wanna, I, I, don't, I don't wanna stop you dancing, but I wanna explain something to you. Reaping is hard work. Reaping is hard work. Sowing is hard work. So when I say sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping, what I'm really saying is working and working, working and working, working and working. This, this notion slips past the minds of a lot of people. They think I'm gonna work, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna work, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna work, I'm gonna play. But no, you're gonna work and 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 you're gonna work. You're gonna work to sow the seed. Then you're gonna work to reap the harvest. The reason I need you to understand is that church people believe in magic. Church people have a, a propensity to believe in magic. They believe that if you sow a seed or give an offering or spin around three times or dance on one foot, that God's going to bless you. And, and that's true, but what they don't understand is that the blessing is as much work as the sowing is. And if you don't understand that, God can send you the blessing and you don't have the work ethic to receive. Yeah, because you think you're gonna go sew and cross your legs and wait. I'm gonna sew and lay in my lazy boy chair and reap. I'm gonna sew and watch the TV and reap. It's not gonna be like that. You're gonna sow and then when it starts reaping, when you get the first bud, you're gonna have to go to running to catch what God has for you the perpetual cycle of giving 
and receiving, of sowing and reaping, is working and working. Only you're working with joy because you're seeing some response, some value, some validation coming back into your life. Are you following what I'm saying? This system sustained the society. So what we are talking about in the text is not just agriculture. The agriculture, the, 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 the strength of the crop controlled the net worth of the holder. The strength of the crop controlled the net worth of the holder. If the crop wasn't good, then the net worth of the holder diminished. So the text is talking about value. If you don't understand that, you won't under, let, me, let me break down the text into the language you're, you're familiar with. A certain man uh, went forth and sowed good seed into his field and sent the, those that were up under him to tend to the field after he sowed it. While men slept, the enemy came and planted tear amongst the wheat. Now see, if you don't understand this, you won't understand why the enemy came. You need to understand that the man knows the integrity of the seed that he planted. He sowed good seed into his field. There is no question about the integrity of the seed. The seed is absolutely good. The seed is so good that the jealous enemy looked over there and said, if I don't do something to head it off, he is going to increase the value in the kingdom. So while men slept, the enemy came to plant tear amongst the wheat. Now, the tear planted amongst the wheat tells you the limitation of the enemy. He couldn't destroy the integrity of the wheat. All he could do was plant tear around the wheat, but he couldn't stop the wheat from being wheat. I got to dance a little bit because I know where I'm going and some of you know where I'm going because you understand that what is in conflict here, what is up under uh, scrutiny here is the integrity of the seed. And it makes me want to say, he that hath began a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. You're not counting on the weather. You're not counting on the environment. You're not even counting on the soil. You're counting on the integrity of the seed. If you get your core right, if it's right in its genesis, it's gonna be right in its conclusion. If it's God in the beginning, it's gonna be God in the end. If it was wheat when it went in the ground, it's gonna be wheat when you bring forth fruit. The only thing the enemy could do was plant imposters. Amidst the wheat because he could not destroy the integrity of the wheat. Now, you don't get it, but you ought to be dancing right now. Wait, wait, wait. The only people who shouldn't be dancing are tear. Because if you are weak, 
If you are weak, you ought to be tearing this church up. Because what I just said to you is that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. And every tongue that rises against you, God will condemn. If you were his in his hand, you're his in the ground, you're his when you come up, you're his when it's hot, you're his when it's cold, you're his in the rain, you're his in the middle of all kind of terror, surrounded by witches and hexes. Still to come on The Potter's Touch. If there is no perceived value, if I don't think you're holding anything, why would I stick up a broke person? The very fact that I'm trying to rob you ought to tell you you got value. The very fact that the enemy comes in the garden to deceive Eve is because she has value. The very fact that the enemy attacked you like he attacked you is a sign you have value. In fact, the greater the attack, TDJ's Global Partnership System is one family joining hands from every culture, community, and nation, partnering with us in an effective and wonderful way to impact the lives of millions. Jesus told us to preach the gospel, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those in prison, and give God's gift of salvation to the entire world. There is power in our partnership, and together we're making a difference. I believe that the reason David's rock became so powerful is that he came at it in the name of the Lord. I'm coming at this opportunity to have a daytime talk show in an arena that I have never had before. I'm coming at it with prayer. And I'm asking you for the next 21 days to pray with me, to take this journey with me, to walk shoulder to shoulder with me as we fulfill the Great Commission to go into all the world. He said we had to go, but he didn't say we had to go by camel. Let's go through the modern technology that's provided to us today that we can reach the hearts and lives of people who would never think about coming inside of a church. And so I'm calling on my army to suit up and march up and drop down on your knees. And for 21 days leading up to this massive event, I want you to bathe it with prayer. So, if the enemy cannot remove my weak status, why did he come? If, if he can never destroy my weakness, <laughs> why does he come? He comes to devalue the harvest. Because the tear comes, he comes and plants the tear amidst the wheat to devalue the harvest. Look at the things that have been planted in your life to devalue the harvest. 
the things, the people, the environment, the circumstances that have been planted to devalue the harvest. What the, what the terror will do is, is rob the soil of the nutrients that could have fueled the wheat to be wheatier, to be mightier, to be stronger, to be fuller, to be richer. It, it, it will extract from the ground what was meant for the wheat to stop it from being as bountiful as it could have been. And the Bible says that while men slept, the enemy came and planted tear amongst the wheat. He is not attacking the wheat, he's attacking the owner. Though he has planted the tear amongst the wheat, the wheat has nothing to gain from being wheat, it just is. The owner has something to gain from the wheat being what it is. So the enemy is not the enemy of the wheat, he is the enemy of the owner. You with me, aren't you? I know you're with me. I know you're with me. I know you're with me. So the wheat is caught up in a war between the enemy and the owner. This is why the battle is not yours. Oh my God. Oh my God. You, you've been standing here with your dukes up and you've been swinging and you've been punching and you've been fighting and you've been talking about the devil is attacking me. The devil is not attacking you. The devil is not attacking you. He is using you and your life to attack God. The book of Ephesians, Paul says in vision, he says, I prayed for you without ceasing that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling. His who? God's calling. He said, I want your eyes to open up to the hope, what God had in mind when he planted you. The hope of his call. Nobody plants a field without intention. A weed just grows but a field is always planted with intention. Nobody just plants corn. Why are you planting? I don't know, I did, you know. Just planted some corn. No, you planted the corn because you're gonna harvest the corn. You planted the cucumbers because you're gonna grow cucumbers. You have a hope. Paul said, I want you to know what is the hope of his calling. Number two, he says, I want your eyes to be open that you might know what is the richest of his inheritance in the saints that you might understand what God has to gain from you. Because until you understand what God has to gain for you, from you, you won't understand the fight. It's not about you, it's about what he put in you that the enemy doesn't wanna see 
reach its fullest potential in your lifetime. Oh, but the devil is alive. In the book of Genesis, when the Lord planted Adam in the garden and set him in Eden and surrounded him with goodness, the Bible says, then the enemy came. Now the enemy came because of what God had planted in the earth. Whenever you see the enemy come, you always know there's value. They were telling us the other day, they sent out a newsflash to be careful in our community because there were some robbers out in our community. You know, they were going around hitting houses or something. Uh, and, 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 and I thought, okay, yeah. The thing you have to understand, you don't see people robbing the homeless shelter. Wherever you see a, a thief or a robber, there's gotta be some value. Cause nobody cases a homeless man. We gonna, we gonna hit you tonight. <laughs> we, we gonna get you good tonight. Because if there is no perceived value, if I don't think you're holding anything, why would I stick up a broke person? The very fact that I'm trying to rob you ought to tell you you got value. The very fact that the enemy comes in the garden to deceive Eve is because she has value. The very fact that the enemy attacked you like he attacked you is a sign you have value. In fact, the greater the attack, Now, all you people who think an attack is that you had to park on another parking lot, y'all sit down. <laughs> but the people who have had unusual attack, been through adversity that it boggles your mind and you sit back and say, how in the world could I have been attacked like that? People who have been attacked in your youth, in your childhood, all of your life you had to fight. The Lord sent me to tell you that you are caught up in a war between two worlds. And the sons of God gathered around the throne that day, and among them came Satan, and God said unto him, this is Job chapter one, where have you been? Satan responded, I've been going to and fro and up and down throughout the earth. What have you been doing? Seeking whom I may devour. God says to him, have you considered my servant Job, who is a faithful and upright man? He says, yes, I considered Job, but you have a hedge around him. And, and if you move that hedge around him, I will make him curse you to your face. God said, I will move a hedge around him and around his property and around his family, but not from around his soul. God said, I'm gonna hedge. <laughs> I'm, listen at the discussion going between two worlds about Job. And all of a sudden, Job's life is affected 
by the war between two worlds. Satan says, if you move the heads from around him, I'm telling you, Job only serves you when things are going right. You couldn't get a praise out of Job if you moved the heads from around him. God said, let me show you. Of a sudden, people started dying, crops started burning, chaos broke out everywhere. Job got sick in his body, and, and the Bible said all the way down, Job lost property, Job lost influence, Job lost respect, Job lost his children, Job lost his wife, Job lost his health, but he never lost his integrity. My God, I feel like running this morning. There are some people in this room who have lost a whole lot of stuff, but I don't care what you lose, hold on to your integrity. You understand what I'm saying? You are who you are. Don't let anybody have your integrity. your values, who you are, what God created you to be. You may cry, but hold on to it. You may suffer, but hold on to it. You may go without some time, but hold on to it. Because as long as you hold on to your weakness, when the storm is over, you'll rise again. I'm coming out of this. 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 I'm in a storm, but I'm coming out of this. I may get wet, but I'm coming out of this. I may have mud all over me, but I'm coming out of this. I will rise again. Tell Brother Tear and Sister Tear, I will arise out of this. Uh, I've got to stop there. I pray that you got a blessing out of the word of the Lord today. As God's humble servant, I am really delighted to have this opportunity to share his word with you and that the word might be made flesh in your life. You're going to work to sow and then you're going to work to reap. Get used to it. It's all a part of being blessed. Are you sure you can handle the process before you ask for the promise? To him whom much is given, much is required. For your gift to the ministry of any size, you'll receive Cheering You On on CD from Bishop Jake's challenging series, Press In and Win. The very fact that the enemy attacked you is a sign you have value. And when your gift is $70 or more, you'll receive Press In and Win on four DVDs. For you to get here and die, tell hell no! There are people who had less and did more who are cheering you on. However, when your gift is $125 or more, you'll receive the Press In and Win 4 Message DVD set, the ultimate collection of MegaFest 2015 on 14 CDs, and your very own MegaFaith mini book. Now is the time to press in and win. If you just logged into this broadcast, hit rewind so you can understand what we're shouting about. This is a shout. 
that only survivors can have. When you've been to hell and back, and you stood anyway, you've got a right. You've got a right. When the devil took his best shot, and you got up anyway, you've got a right to give 